into the contest. It is Thursday, the 23rd of June. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my good mate Shane Lee. Shane, I'm excited today. We're having lunch. District Brasserie. We uh, talk about it a lot now. Mm-hmm. I have been there a while back, but uh, I'm really looking forward to catching up today. Be a good steak today, Tim. Don't worry about that. But uh, really good uh, lunch with Lee today, mate. We've got the Marrickville Mauler and Jeff Fennick. Um, and he's coaching a girl called Kate McLaren who's uh, fighting for a world title soon. So um, the three of us are having lunch, Tim, so it should be fun. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm going to be there somewhere on another uh, microphone just to offer some observance on the left-hand side. It'll be good. Um, that good. is today, lunch with Lee, and uh, we'll be at the District Brasserie having a nice cold libation of something absolutely lovely. <laughs> We're going to have a look at the cricket going on in Sri Lanka. Nick Kyrgios signs with this whole new Naomi Osaka venture, which is interesting. And what about Shana Jack? Boy, oh boy. Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom-built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open from 6.30am Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie, sophisticated yet casual. So Shane, Australia's gone down in this series, as we know, 3-1 to Sri Lanka. Uh, look, personally, um, I'm happy for the Sri Lankans. The whole country is going through a, such an awfully difficult time, mm. economically, politically. Um, but if we just look at the cricket, uh, this whole spinning thing, they're really going to attack the Australians with a whole stack of spin through this test series, these two tests. Yeah, the wickets will turn a huge amount, Tim, and... Uh Look, we started to see this in the last one day, which was two nights ago. Um, as you said, we lost we lost this game. We're only ch- chasing 259. Dave Warner scored a brilliant 99. Um, unfortunately, just fell short. But I looked at our one-day team there, and it was a really – it was a mismatched batting lineup. Um, Finch, I think, is really getting to the end of his career as a – not only the captain, but I think as, as a one-day player. He's just not as good as he used to be. Um, Warner still looks good. But we had Labuschagne, um, Head – and Green and Kerry um, in that sort of middle order. And they're, they're not great one-day players. They'll all be really good test cricketers. Um, Maxwell there, I think, can play one-day cricket. He's a very good player. But, yeah, this this one-day test series coming up, Tim, is going to spin an absolute mozza. And uh, we have to be really on our game and how we um, approach and best ways to make sure we don't lose wickets in clumps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, regardless... Um Conditions in the subcontinent have challenged Australian cricket teams, particularly mm. over the larger and longer formats. Now, going from uh, Test cricket to the uh, Big Bash, and look, this initiative to try and entice overseas players or more overseas players to the league is a little bit of a sign, not that it's lost its way, but they are reassessing, aren't they? Because there for a while, the BBL was just rolling down the road. Everybody loved it. Uh, at the moment, it's it's in the middle somewhere. Yeah, and I think it comes around timing where they put the matches on. And I think it worked really well over that sort of December period. They sort of got away from that now. And they've got to really focus on a more condensed um, BBL series, I think. It just sort of went on for too long this year. But the introduction of a 
pre-season draft, I think it's a really good idea. It'll attract the world best world-class players from all around the world. Um, players apparently can nominate for a salary um, category. They can nominate gold, silver, or bronze. And depending on that, they'll be paid accordingly. But uh, And the teams that obviously do... Don't do well in the in the season before we'll get the number one draft pick. So very much based on the US model. Yeah, I like it as well. And uh, and look, mm. the bottom line is the template works, doesn't it? I know from from yep. our household that uh, we love watching the BBL. They just try to got to tinker a little bit with it, get it right, don't they? Because sometimes uh, you can get too much of a good thing. Yep, I agree. And uh, and I think when it works best is in a condensed period where it's really really good good matches. Where it doesn't work is when it drags on and on and on, and you, don't, you lose interest in the series when it goes too long. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right, now, Nick Kyrgios, he's committed to Naomi Osaka in this new sports management venture. It's interesting, this story. Yeah, very interesting. Naomi Osaka, she's a good businesswoman, that's for sure, and um, she's launched uh, a new agency called Evolve, uh, where they'll attract sort of players like a Nick Kyrgios and players from around the world. But this mm. is really in line, Tim, with the old – where Web 3.0 is going, where all the actual content creators, the, the the sports people and people who create other content in the media, etc., are starting to own the actual platforms that they sit on. And uh, this is another example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick Kyrgios, mm. and uh, we've all got our fingers crossed for him and our other Australian players at Wimbledon. We're going to have quite a contingent uh, with the strawberries and cream and uh, everything mm. that goes with Wimbledon. And I'd love pims. to go. I've never, but you've been to Wimbledon? I have, mate. It's one of the greatest experiences you have from a sporting perspective. You sit there, it costs you an absolute bomb just to have pims and, pims and lemonade yeah. and strawberries and cream, but it's worth it. Yeah, that's it's one thing that I haven't done, but I'll have to do that sometime. Uh, Maybe afternoon sport we take over there. Well, I think that's a great idea. I could, I've got a few. <laughs> I've got a few sweat headbands. I could wear an old wooden Oliver racket. I could sit in the grandstands. You and me. You could even take your mouth cut over from your footy. Um, now, uh, what about Brooks Kepka? I'm reading this article and some of his comments. Uh, of course, a four-time major winner. I think he's nineteenth in the in the golf rankings at the moment. He really has been quite contradictory, hasn't he, in his comments in and around the Rebel League, and now he's signed. It's quite ridiculous. Yeah, the smart the smart players here have sat back and said nothing and just will assess whether this LOV gets up, and it has got up. Um, but he was very uh, negative towards the whole LOV and Greg Norman himself. And now, guess what? He's actually signed on to play his first tournament with him, the 32-year-old. So he'll, he'll play the first one in Oregon. And... Uh, as we said at the start, Tim, money talks. And uh, he just wanted to see if I think if it worked first. It has worked. And uh, he's now coming across like a, lot, like a lot of other players will too. But what about his naivety? Like he, there he is yeah. sort of in media conferences through the US Open sort of getting out there saying, come on, guys, you, you're trying to sort of lower the boom here. I, all I want yeah. to concentrate is the US Open. Well, mate, the, the whole story is going on side by side with this. Mm. It's And you're in the middle of it. And I love the way that some people do this. Oh, why are you bringing it up? Well, we're bringing it up because it's a story. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's missed the point there. But uh, look, it's, it's big, big money. The key is going to be with this tournament was how long it can continue for with this amount of funding mm. because at some stage every well dries up and uh, but the good thing behind it with the Saudis it's a bloody big well yeah and the, and the big comment from him was when he said this is some time back he said I've got enough money it's not about the money I tell, yeah. you know I just love playing golf yeah sure mate yeah. <laughs> alright stay with us we're going to talk NRL AFL and a stack more
Jordan Dugowie, look, he's taken personal leave. This has got all a bit too much for him. He obviously needs a little bit of redirection. Neither of us, you or, or myself, found a lot of problem with what he did in Bali and those images that came out. But um, uh, Platty did, and uh, this follows on the back of what was a lot more serious incident in, in the US. Yeah, he, he does need time away from the game. Look, it's unfortunate. I really feel for the Collingwood Football Club and the fans here. And if you take Jordan Goey out of it, Collingwood has just started to do really well this year, and they look like a team that could compete in the finals. He's a key component of that, there's no doubt. And he's not in the right frame of mind now, and it's going to really, really affect the Collingwood Football Club and how they're going to perform for the rest of the season. It's a shame because with all the off-field dramas they had leading into this year, you know, with everything from Eddie Maguire right through to the chairman and the board, that sort of stuff, they just started to really get a bit of traction, and this has happened. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, it certainly is, mm. but uh, we'll have to wait and see the back end of the season and how Collingwood perform. Now, the NRL, Liam Martin would seem an unlikely villain. He's a tough and uh, very tough country boy, plays for Penrith, and, of course, he's playing for New South Wales, and he'll be there in Perth on Sunday. But the Queensland guys have found a few incidents from Origin 1, and they've put a label on him. They like doing this, don't they? They like targeting someone. Paul Gallen, your mate, was certainly in their <laughs> sights, but Liam Martin... Uh, the villain after what they call some grubby acts. Yeah, grubby acts and villain. Well, it's very, very Queensland tactics, isn't it, mm. where they, they, they do identify someone, and it's really based around um, trying to get in the head of the ref, I think, for, for, for game two, and it, it does work. No, no doubt they've identified five different separate incidents in game one and then actually um, spelled them all out for, for the, I suppose, even the ref who's reading, reading the match report, but... Yeah, it's going to be um, a hard-fought match. I think it won't affect uh, Martin at all. I think he'll get on with the game. But, yeah, Queensland trying to get into the minds of the, of the referees. Yeah, I'm hoping beyond hope. And, look, Freddie's done it before that we win in Perth and we can take it to a decider, which will obviously be a lot tougher in Brisbane. Um, look, uh, Zion Williamson, the NBA star, he gives me hope as a, as a larger man looking to lose a couple of kilos. He, he, look, not that he was ever... Not that he ever looked like me, but he was a bigger unit and now he's lost weight. He's cut like an axe. It's interesting when you look at someone like Jordan Dugowie, who has just potentially torn up $3.2 million and he hasn't been able to sort of get his off-field antics in line. You look at this guy, Zion Williamson, who was a 2019 draft pick, and they said he was a bit chubby and a bit overweight. He was fat-shamed. Well, he's had an off-season of off-seasons. And basically, he's now in contention to sign a five-year, $181 million contract. He looks like the Hulk at the moment. He looks huge. Whether he's got too big for basketball, I'm not a basketball expert, but he looks super fit. Yeah, he's been doing some star jumps, hasn't he, and some yeah. curls. He yeah. looks sensational. Yeah. Uh, now, Shana Jack, look, oh. this long road back to make the World Championships and now, in the most unlikely way, has broken her hand and she's out. Yeah, I feel I do feel for this poor girl. Like, and I say poor girl. Look, she's done her time. She made a mistake, um, and she's just come back. And over all those years that she's been through the courts, she was able to celebrate with a four hundred by one hundred meter relay gold medal in Budapest. And now she's fallen over and she's broken her hand, so she's going to miss the rest of the tournament. She seemed pretty good with her comments um, after. You know, with with the press and said, look, I'm really happy with what I achieved so far, but unfortunately I have to pull out for the rest of the tournament. So maybe she'll go away. Maybe it won't keep her out of the pool for too long.
Yeah, it's unfortunate for her. Now, yep. Kieran Perkins has come out. He's now the head of the Australian Sports Commission and weighed in on the whole transgender debate, hoping that it doesn't just cause problems right throughout sport from top to the bottom. Yeah, it's funny comments from Kieran Perkins because I've read the article probably four times. I still don't understand which side he sits on. I think he's sort of saying that there's not enough information and... Um, science behind whether transgender will have an impact uh, or will it totally decimate female sport in the future. Um, He's sort of sitting on the fence and uh, I think everyone's very, very unclear on where this is going. It is a little like that, isn't it? Um, Yeah. I I read his comments as well uh, and uh, they were fairly broad in their their basis. But I don't know. I mean, how can you get a hard and fast rule across all sport, whether that be amateur at its most amateur level mm. or professional at its most professional level. It's a it's a difficult debate. It's a difficult discussion. And it's going to be, I think, played out sport by sport, case by case. Yeah, I think so. And But I think when it purely comes down to just competing physically, whether you're, you're a 100-meter runner or you're a swimmer, I just don't see how uh, transgender can play a role in that it will affect female sport it has to mm. all right mate on a yeah. on a lighter note uh let's head back to sri lanka and wind the clock back a little nostalgia because we are over there about to embark on the two tests just gone down in the one day series tom moody who actually coached sri lanka for some time but you've got a story about when he batted for the first time in sri lanka yeah well we talked about the start of the show how much the wickets will turn and tom moody went on his first tour there now he was going on the tour um, the current Australian captain was the great Alan Border, who we all know scored 10,000 test runs. And Sri Lanka had, at the time had a, a young spinner called Matai Mulitharan. Oh, yeah. And Alan Border was batting as Tom Moody walked the crease. Alan Border was 50 not out. But Alan Border kept playing and missing this young spinner. And Tom Moody asked before he faced the first ball, what's this young Matai Mulitharan bowling? And Alan Border said he was a leg spinner. <laughs> and we all know that Matai Mulitharan was an off spinner. Alan Border was 50 not out, thinking he was facing a leg spinner when he was actually facing an off spinner. And Tom Moody, being a right-hander, faced the first ball from Matai Mulitharan, thinking he was going to face a leg spinner, which would spin away. Mm. The first one pitched way outside off stump and hit Tom Moody's leg stump. <laughs> so he was given incorrect information from the guru, Alan Border, who went on to get 100, I think. But Tom Moody getting a golden duck in his first test match. Yeah, with very, very poor information from the captain. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't make it easy when you get advice from a bloke who's like Border, who had those reflexes, he could yeah. adjust to anything, like one of the greats of all time. Sometimes, he, uh... yeah, ignorance is bliss, too. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Fantastic sponsor, District Brasserie. Uh, they do fantastic lunch, dinner and breakfast in Chifley Tower, Tim. Mm-mm-mm. And, of course, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.